I, I, I've become, I mean, you know, ever since I came to Christ and you become aware of um, the realities of heaven, hell, warfare, um, that there's an enemy opposed to you, um, you, you, you realise how much there is a need to stay rooted in community, keep reading your Bible and stuff. But I'm telling you, over the last year, despite everything I've been involved in in ministry, over the last year I've become more and more acutely aware that there is an enemy out there who really wants to take you down. Like, really wants to take you down. Um, and and there, there are no, there's no magic pill, you know. There's, um, there's no easy route to, to staying strong in Christ other than to exercise disciplines which we're going to go through. We're looking at this uh, letter of James, um, which I hear uh, Josh both actually smashed his first sermon, debut sermon last week. Brilliant. So he'll, he'll be up again. Um, and, uh, and Rich Kirk smashed the hosting, so he'll be up again as well. I'm going to have nothing to do in a couple of months, which is my secret plan. Um, yeah, so um, we're continuing in on that. And these verses we're looking at today, there is some repetition in terms of the stuff around perseverance, um, which I covered the first week we did on James. So I'm going to angle in on the second thing, which is around temptation. Let's take it from James chapter 1, verse 12, if you've got it on your device or Bible in front of you. Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial. For once he's been approved, he'll receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. And when lust is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. What a beautiful and happy set of verses to be preaching on on a Sunday morning. Um, so I'm going to keep this rapid. I'm going to go straight into this. And I'm going to talk about the several things we learned from those brief verses and the several things we need to learn to do or need to do. Now, I recognize whenever I'm preaching, and it's a timely reminder, I try and remind us of this every now and again, there are those of you sitting here who are old lags in the Christian faith. You know, you're old sea dogs. You know, you've been walking with the Lord for many, many years. And there are those of you which is new, and there are some of you who have been away and have come back. And when we teach on a Sunday, we need to cover everything so that we're deep enough for those of you that want new things that you haven't heard before, but also broad enough for those who are, you know, accessing the Christian faith for the first time. But to be honest with you, whenever I read the teachings of Jesus over the years, many people have said to me, when are we going to go deeper? When are we going to go deeper? Then you read the things of Jesus, and he says, give your possessions to the poor and love your enemy. And I think, well, when you start doing that, then we'll go deeper. Because it's true, isn't it? Because like, we constantly want deeper stuff. We don't do the, the stuff that's really on Jesus' heart. And it's all about the heart, a lot of this stuff. Um, let me go through some bullet points. Number Things we learn from these verses, essentially. Uh, number one, I take from verse 13 that temptation is inevitable. It is going to happen. It's a when, not if. You could be as holy as you like, but you are going to face temptation. Most of you probably face temptation uh, from the moment you poured your rice krispies, and there'll be things coming into your head. I remember, I mean, I mentor a lot of people, and uh, particularly young leaders, um, 
around the country and I, I remember doing a talk to a group of young leaders who were planting churches in inner city areas and um, I said to them, be warned, as soon as you step out and you try and go to the next level in your faith, there's going to be stuff coming into your head you never even conceived that you'd be tempted by. Things are going to come at you thick and fast. And a couple of weeks later, I did get a phone call from one of these guys who said, I can't believe it. He said, I'm, I'm feeling tempted sexually in ways that I never felt before. He said, I, I, I just I didn't expect this. And this guy was planting a church from scratch in an area called Tower Hamlets in London, um, which is a super tough area. He was trying to take ground in a staunchly Islamic area. And they were there for many, many years doing that, actually. Um, I think if you step out and you want to do something for Jesus, expect a war over your mind. It's going to happen. Some of you here want to step into leadership or step up to the next level. There'll be a war over your mind. If you aspire to be in leadership or to do something for Jesus, win the battles you're facing now or you won't stand a chance if you try and step up even further. You're going to get taken out unless you can get the disciplines in place. But just beware that temptation is inevitable. Um, I, I feel that the more and more I've stepped out, the more and more I've faced a full-on assault on my senses, actually, in all kinds of ways. I'm not just talking about sexual temptation. That's the one that everyone goes to. We all sorts of things, as we'll come on to. That's the first thing. Number two, temptation, we learn from verse 13, is never directed by God. We just need to understand that. Some say, oh, God's testing me. No. Bible's clear, when you're tempted, this is straight out the pit of hell. It's not a test from God in this sense. Um, there will be repeated attempts to take you down. If ever, if ever you want to challenge that, for me, the go-to verses on this, uh, it's quite chilling actually. Um, when Jesus was tempted in the desert, we see in Luke 4, um, uh, and everything's thrown at him. So Luke 4, it gets... Satan really goes after him and it says and then Jesus defeats him verse 13 when the devil had finished every temptation it says he left him until an opportune time so even the Lord even the Son of God faced temptations but the Satan is sneaky so it actually says it in the word he left Jesus alone until an opportune time it's like he's watching he's watching He's watching you. So he's waiting to see when he can strike. And it's guerrilla warfare. That's what you need to understand. You know, like I'm an Essex boy. I grew up expecting a straight fight. You don't get a straight fight as a Christian. The enemy's a terrorist. It's roadside bombs. It's sneaking up behind you and shooting in the back of the head. When you didn't even see him coming. That's the opportune time. So you've got to be on your guard. You've got to be wary. It's so important. And now, this sounds really miserable stuff this morning. I know sometimes I like to have a laugh when I'm at the front, but this is so important because I've seen too many of my brothers and sisters in Christ taken down. I, I went to Bible college. I went on a course called Church Planting and Evangelism. This may surprise some of you. I've actually you know, got a degree in theology and everything. Um, I went to Bible college in 1996 uh, to study church planting and evangelism. At the same time, I was planting a church. And we were a group, the people on the church planting and evangelism course were distinct from the people on the pastoral course. Um, the church planting and evangelism course, we likened ourselves as the special forces theological course. Um, we were out planting churches and doing missions and radical stuff. 
80% of the guys I was on the course with are gone. They're out of the game. Gone. Uh, for all sorts of things. Um, some of it was just moral pressure. Some of it was just a pressured ministry. Some of it, the marriages failed. They're out of the game. 80% of those young radical church planters in 1996. I meet up with a couple of guys that I've been journeying with in ministry for nearly, nearly, what's that, 25 years nigh on. Um, and one of them turned to me the other day, he's now head of one of the big YMCA groups, They're still going on with the Lord, still a Baptist minister actually. And um, he said to me, do you know what I think now, Carl? If you've been in this game for 10 years and you're still standing, that's a success, that's a victory. Because the attrition rates are so high in ministry. Can you believe it? Because there's a battle going on and it's straight out of the pit of hell. Um, make no mistake about it, the enemy will come after you. Um, and he's coming after you. Number three, temptation itself is not a sin. It's not. It's what you do with it that makes it a sin. Sin occurs when you agree to the temptation and get involved with it. Now, some of you know that. And many of you know that. Some of you don't. And some of you see, when I talk to people and I meet people pastorally and I go around people's houses and I have a cup of tea and I, and I ask what's on their minds, they're beating themselves up because they're facing temptation. Oh, I've got these thoughts and no, 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 it's what you do with it. You know, you should beat yourself up if you're acting on it and go to God for forgiveness. But if you're holding the line against temptation, that's a victory. Honestly, don't beat yourselves up because you've got temptation in your head. Beat yourself up if you fall. Like if you go to bed and you've overcome, have a tub of Haagen-Dazs and celebrate. <laughs> Seriously, like I won the day. Like today, don't get cocky. Because the devil will leave you alone until an opportune time. But there's been some testimonies here where people said, you know, I remember Suzanne giving one. You know, I felt tempted and I, and I held the line. I took myself for a walk and I had to pray and I held the line. That's a tub of Hagen dazs moment, ladies and gentlemen. That is a moment for celebration. But then the next day is a new day and a new battle dawns. So we don't get cocky. And we thank God that he gave us strength. Just as a little aside, because I'm going to go into the practicals of how you deal with this in a moment. Um, just popped into my head. I have found there is always an exit door presented to you against every temptation. Always an exit door. It's up to you whether you take it or not. But there's always the opportunity to say no. God will always be there with grace. It's whether you succumb to the flesh or you follow the path of the Spirit. Every good building has a fire escape. God gives you a fire escape every single time. There's always a bailout strategy. And I remember once as a young pastor, feeling years ago, just many years ago, feeling really tempted, um, in, in sort of sexually tempted in my study. And like, praying a sermon and this thought, oh, this is like over 20 years ago. These thoughts came into my head. I'm like, oh God, no, please get me out of this. I, I don't know how to get out of this. I, I don't want to sin. I, don't, I really don't. I, I want to preach a sermon. Like it was a real proper full-on assault on my senses. And, and, and then the phone rang in my study. This is almost like the early days of mobile. So I didn't have one because I a young pastor. One of me, we, we called it phone. <laughs> rang. And, and I picked it up. I thought, I'll pick it up. Because so, it's the exit door. It's me mum. It killed every sense of temptation ever faced by man. I was like, oh, Tabahagandar's moment. Answer the phone to me mum.
the, the exit door was the phone going off. And do you know what? You take that exit door and, and the enemy won't tempt you in that way again. He'll find another way, but you won that victory. And how good did I feel? And how good did I feel preaching that sermon? And then sin before a holy God. Now, I'm prepared to be honest like that because if, you have got a, if you've got a pulse, you're going to face sexual, te sexual temptation. It's going to happen. If you're a human being and alive, it's going to happen. Too many people fall down to it. There's always an exit door. It could be any issue. Materialism, lust, greed, attitudes of the heart, but there will always be an exit door. Fourth quick point. Temptation that leads to sin, in my mind, in my experience of following Jesus, uh, always seems to follow the, the same kind of four steps. Um, I, this is not boasting, but I have caught the biggest catfish on the River Ebro in Spain for an amateur, non-professional, ever. I have photos to prove it. It took me an hour to get it in. I got it with my dad, so there were witnesses. I caught it on a chicken carcass. It was a dead chicken, but it was a whole chicken carcass. It was my secret strategy. This is how I caught the biggest catfish on the River Ebro for an amateur. I know it surprises you that I have a sideline in this kind of thing, but I do. Um, what I did was this. I had a little rowing boat, and I had a big sack of bits of chicken. Chicken wings, like manky chicken. And there are things in fishing called swims but you have to spot them. So you, the river Ebro is huge, it's fast. So you try and spot the places where you think the catfish are gonna hang out. So in the morning, we rode down the side of the river, me and my dad, <laughs> little rowing thing, and we were chucking bits of chicken out into the various swims. Then we went back down the other side, chucked a bit more fishing out, uh, chicken out. And then we did a U-turn in the boat. Then we got our very heavy duty fishing rods and lines together. I mean, it's like full on stuff. I mean, this. I'm not exaggerating. I'm not. I've got a picture. This is not like it was this big and it, it was like that. It's seriously. It's like from that chair, uh, probably just past you. This thing's massive. It's huge. In fact, I've got a picture. Me and my dad, my dad's six foot. He's, he's a big guy and there's me, relatively pretty wide. We're, we're holding it and we actually got out. We're holding it because we tagged it for conservation purposes as well. So we're, we're, like, you can't see us. It's that big. Got so covered in slime. Anyway, uh, catfish slime. Anyway, it was great. Um, then what you do is you do a U-turn and you put a bigger bit of chicken on. And then you leave it out there. And what you're doing is you're baiting the fish. Fish that are fished for are quite cautious. They're not as stupid as you think. And they'll, they'll, they'll nuzzle around with the bait and they'll push it. And sometimes if you're doing lightweight fishing, you can just see the little float just twitching where they're pushing the line or they're, they're very, very cautious. But we know that we can tempt them. So you just you put more and more and more and you, and you build it up. So the first time we went out with a bigger chicken, it didn't work. So then we put more and more bits of chicken out and more and more bits of chicken. And eventually I put out literally a whole chicken carcass and caught the biggest catfish on the River Ebro. It's the same stages. Number one, the enemy will drop the bait. Number two, your inner desire is attracted to the bait. Number three, you sin, because you give in to the bait, and you can't resist it. And number four, the result is death. 
That's what the Bible says. Because make no mistake, you might think you're managing your issue. You might think you are. You might be sitting in now feeling a little bit weighty, a little bit uncomfortable, because you know you're giving into stuff. Let me tell you, with absolutely no qualms at all, and I know this, your sin, once you're given in, will take you to places you don't want to go. It will take you to hell. Ultimately, it'll destroy you. Because you won't get a grip on it. You'll kill you. Now, if you're sitting here now and you're feeling a bit guilty because you've done something, there is an exit door even now. There is grace. There's a way out. God can deal with it. And he will. Because he's super gracious and he loves you. And if this is sounding hard, it's only because I love you. And I don't need to die. I don't need to be taken out by this stuff. But sin will result. And the book of James is absolutely clear. When sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. And that could come from a variety of things and sources. A mate of mine called Justin Reese Larkham, um, he, he speaks at some of my conferences for me. He was uh, the Sword of Honour winner at Sandhurst. And, and then left after an illustrious career in the army as a commissioned officer, left and became a stockbroker and earned a fortune and a beautiful wife, lovely kids. And then one day, he was sitting in his study, and an advert came up on Sky, a Sky advert, Sky bet, free five-pound bet. So he thought, oh, all right, it's a free bet. This guy's a Christian. That's a free bet. I might as well do that. So he signed up, did this free bet, 120 quid. He thought, happy days. Didn't cost me a penny. Got 20 quid. The guy's in like nearly a million pound house. He's got a quarter of a million pounds in the bank. He's got luxury cars on the driveway. Doesn't need to doesn't need to bet. Doesn't need to gamble. Puts a five pound bet on. Four years later, he'd lost his house, he lost every penny he had. It was half a million pounds in debt. And now he speaks to us on gambling addiction, a Christian vision for men. He lost everything. And despite repeated attempts to be reconciled to his wife, she just couldn't get over it. Uh, and to this day, they're not yet, I mean, they tried, but not yet there. And he sees his kids at weekends and proper lovely bloke, loves the Lord. You know, he's healed up for it all and submitted his life to Christ properly. And he's just a wonderful, wonderful man. But he's paying the consequences now for a free £5 bet on Sky. Because the devil knew he had a little weakness that had not been exploited before. And it was an opportune time. Thought everything was good. I'm self-sufficient, all capable, got it all sorted. It was an opportune time. And he dangled a little bit of chicken in front of him in the shape of a sky bet and lost everything he had. So I'm not mucking about. Like there'll be people here who are teaching on the brink of losing everything. And that's what the devil wants to do to you. Also, that's what he has to do to his people. Now, let me say this. I don't feel tempted by gambling. Never have done. I, I don't think I've ever done the lottery. I can't, I've tried to cast your mind back. Don't even do it as a student. Don't think so. I just think I can't be bothered. Just, you know, I'd rather spend the money on my beaner. You know, I don't, you know, um, I, 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 don't, I don't struggle, you know, in, in those sort of obvious areas. It doesn't make me more righteous or holy. The fact you're sitting here today not struggling with drugs doesn't make you more righteous or holy than somebody does. The enemy knows what your weakness is. 
and he'll exploit those ones. Maybe your chink in the armour is judgment, gossip, anger, greed, materialism. What I do know is that temptation is a present reality for all of us and it has no favourites, barriers and it's absolutely relentless. So um, what we need to do is work out how we're going to deal with it. So I'm going to go through some really fast points and then um, there'll be some questions coming out in connect groups based around this that you can study. Sorry, Rich, I haven't got them to you yet, mate. I've been a little bit busy. I'll probably get them to you later today after I've been out for a pizza. Um, um, how do we deal with it? Well, what we learn uh, from Scripture is, firstly, isolating yourself doesn't work. There have been some puritanical movements in Christianity over the years where people try and cut themselves off from the world in order to, to shut the world out and, and avoid temptation. Um, one of the most famous um, uh, Anabaptist uh, cults that did that to try and shut themselves off from the world ended up forming a cult uh, that went seriously badly wrong. Or you just become totally miserable or you end up just sinning against each other and destroying yourselves. Isolating yourself doesn't work. We know that from Jesus in the desert, right? So Jesus isolated himself in the desert to commune with his father but was tempted by the devil. So wherever you go, it's going to come against you. Um, that sort of strategy doesn't work. In fact, John 17, uh, let's, let's turn to it actually. Let me read this to you. This is um, Jesus' longest prayer. If you want to read a prayer, if you're getting new into all this stuff, I'm telling you, read um, John 17. It's Jesus' prayer, um, longest prayer we have on record. And he says this in verse 13. Now I come to you, he's talking to, to his father, and these things I speak in the world so that they may have my joy made full in themselves. I've given them your word and the world has hated them. Talking about us because they're not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, talking about us, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. What Jesus is saying there is, I'm not praying that you rescue everyone from the evils of the world. I'm praying you keep them safe in the world. We are in the world, but not of the world. So we engage in the world. We live in the world. But as 2 Corinthians 5 says, uh, we're the oldest gone, the new has come. We're new creations. God never makes us feel guilty for living in the world that tempts us. He doesn't do that. But Jesus' prayer in his interceding for us now is that we stay strong in the world. Isolation is not going to work. What works is the right company. What works is coming to church. What works is going to connect group. What works is being accountable. I have three accountability groups. I mean, I have as many accountability groups as you need that works for you. <laughs> I need loads. I don't trust myself. I don't. I know what I'm like. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm redeemed by God, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a bloke. You know, I've, I've got all kinds of things that I could, I could fall to. I'm sure. So I have accountability, and I have an ace wife, who knows when I'm going to sin before I've even thought about it myself. <laughs> she proper does. It's so scary. Before I ever go home for a road trip, I repent of all my sins, known and unknown, just in case. But that's what you need. And I, I have strong colleagues, like at CVM, me, Steve and Nathan, we proper call each other out, honest with each other. If we see some behaviour we don't like, we'll speak it out and, and tell each other. Well, we, we're, we're men's men, but we, we, we're honest. And we, you know, we, I've had people phone me up 
I might have said this before. One of my accountability partners phoned me up at 11 o'clock at night when I was in a hotel room in Leeds. And he said, put FaceTime on. I'm going to bed. I'm in bed. He said, put it on. I said, why? He went, I want to see what's in your room. That okay. So I put FaceTime on. He said, do a 360. And he went, just watching your back, bro. He said, you're on the road all the time. I'm watching your back, bro. I thought, I like that. I like it. I mean, to be honest with you, I was in my boxer shorts. And, and, um, <laughs> it's, all a bit, it's all a bit arse. Um, but, but I love it. And like, I have an accountability group of senior national leaders that meets in London four times a year. And they'll say things like, how's your marriage? How's this? How's that? And then we, we'll say it. And <laughs> we're, one, we're one of my mates. Um, I won't say it is. Um, <laughs> he sort of said, oh, yeah, my marriage is fine. This, 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 and this. And the other guy went, another senior national leader went, can I phone your wife now then and ask you if that's true? I like that. That's not mucking about with accountability. But, you know, if you want to walk the narrow path, because note this, the way to life is through a narrow gate. We know that. But people miss off the next bit. There's a narrow path. Walk the narrow path. Do not flirt and muck about with holiness because it will take you down. It just dishonors the Lord as well. It's not a sin to be tempted, so you deal with it. So get strong. When I, I've been to South Africa quite a few times, actually. I don't know. We've got South African brothers and sisters here, friends. Um, I don't know if they had, had this with you, but when I meet my South African mates, they, they, they shake my hand and nearly crush it. I mean, I've got quite a strong grip. But I'm like, yeah, man. <laughs> then, and, and a couple of my mates, when I meet them, when I go out to Cape Town and stuff, they'll go, are you strong? I kind of like that. Do you have that? You go, are you strong? I'm like, yeah, I'm strong. They look you in the eye. Are you strong? Yeah, I'm strong. I like that. I mean, I'm not saying you've got strong biceps. I, don't, I think there's a bit of a thing going on. There's a bit of a thing going down. A uh, bit of, you know, uh, lock horn stuff. Um, but I like it. Get strong. Be strong. Ask yourself, are you strong in the Lord? It's a good question. Number two, beware the bait. Because it's all about short-term pleasure. That's the hook. Short-term pleasure. So beware the bait. Think about what will bait you. What will bait me will not bait you. I've not got a thing about pick and mix. I know some people can't go into a shop with pick and mix. They can't walk past it. I have got a thing about chocolate digestives. Get my point? What, what's, what works for me, I don't I hate fig rolls. Love custard creams. It's individual for individual people. That's the point I'm making. This is not a biscuit sermon. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? But all I know is this. I, I have now disciplined myself with, with cakes and desserts. Seriously. I mean, some of you know, I've lost a bit of weight. And, and that's part of it that's come for discipline. Some of it's stress. Some of it hand, foot and mouth disease. It's a good combo. Anyway, I'm going to package it up as a diet remedy. Um, uh, but I, I used to be, if there was like, you know, a, a, uh, an, a, an angel cake. I've got to think about angel cakes and fun fences. If there was an angel cake in the cupboard, I couldn't just have a slice. I can't. Like, I have a little slice. Now I think, oh, I just have another little one. Oh, no, a little slither. Oh, I just have another little slither. And then, then it's like nine o'clock. Oh, I just have another bit. It's all gone. 
Oh, I ate it. I can't. There's some things you can't open the cupboard door to. You can't. Some of you can't. That if, if you're struggling with something, like, don't have cake in your house. You struggle with drink, don't have drink in your house. And put people around you, or it'll take you to death. My, my one's definitely angel cake. Or, or bolognese. Can't leave a tub of bolognese, it's terrible. Um, number three, be honest about your weaknesses and deal with them. Be honest. Do not lie to yourself. Be honest. Many times I talk to people. It could be a porn thing or a money thing, or and, and they go, "Ah, oh, yeah, I've got it under control." No, you haven't. Be honest. The way to freedom is to be radically honest to someone you love and trust, and just call it out. And do you know what I find? When I'm honest to people about my fragilities, my mates love me more. And it, and it gives them an opportunity to say, yeah, I struggle with that. Now, I meet one of my accountability groups, meets monthly. They're a group of business guys. We meet for breakfast in Sheffield. Sometimes it's for an hour, sometimes for a few hours. And how refreshing is it? We sit around the table and we share our angst and concerns about our lack of ability as dads or our failings as Christians or the stuff we're navigating that's hurting us. It feels proper refreshing. To come away thinking, oh, I can be honest with some people who love me. And they can be honest with me. And we've properly journeyed together over many years now. And it keeps me on a straight and narrow. I mean, those guys are in the world of commerce. You know, I'm self-employed for a lot of, well, all my life now as well. I'm ducking and diving a bit. And it, yeah, there's unique pressures that they face and I face. And that's a good thing. If you had to share openly and honestly. If that terrifies you, you should be in one. If you're scared about someone knowing everything about you, you should definitely be in one of those groups. Be honest about your weaknesses. And can I say as a church, let's, let's really be such a super gracious, beautiful church that when someone confesses their problems or their problems are being obviously played out in front of us, we are just super loving, not judgmental. When someone comes in and got obvious struggles, get your arms around them. Yours might not be obvious. Yours might be hidden. But someone else's might be just be breaking out. It's so obvious. Well, love them. The, the way to win people around and the way to help people is to encourage them and cheer them along the narrow path. And some people do stray off. Well, let's get them back because there's eternal consequences, we believe. Number four, get the disciplines back. This is easy. Read your Bible, put the worship music on. I actually try and keep a Bible in every room of my house. Different versions, actually. One by my bed. Um, just so it's around, uh, get the worship music on when you're in the car, pray and fast. Uh, Jesus said, when you fast, not if you fast, just get the standard disciplines back. I'll put more about that in the Connect Group notes. Number five, this is the last point, do a runner. If you're, see you later. <laughs> there it is, being prophetically played out to us, Joe Wells running from sin. Beautiful. <laughs> David, King David, in 2 Samuel 11, did not do a runner. He did a linger. He did a linger on the balcony, staring at a beautiful woman while she was having a bath. And I've said this before. 
The Bible gives one account of when he saw her and then he wanted her and then he, he got her husband killed, a loyal servant, so he could, he could have sex with her. I don't think David just, just had one visit to the balcony. I'm reading into it. I think, well, I've said it before, but it's worth saying again. I think David did a bit of this. It was like probably like having a stroll in his palace. So I got into the balcony and went, oh, she's nice. What time is it? Oh, 11.47. I'll take a, on a Wednesday. All right. All right. Next Wednesday comes along. Oh, I think I'll just go for a stroll on the balcony. It's 11.47. Oh, this is quite nice. Probably did it loads. Oh, it's Wednesday again. 11.47. I think I'll just go on the balcony and stare a bit longer. What he did was linger. And he fed the desire. It's the chicken bait. Bit of chicken. But it wasn't his Bathsheba. And he's, and he's lingering. He's lingering and looking and looking and looking. And eventually it consumed his heart. And he bit the bait. And he didn't just do it. He'd so given himself over he committed murder. So he could have sex. The opposite to that is... Genesis 39 and Joseph, when he's being seduced by a very sexy woman who's married to his boss. And she tries to ensnare him, uses every seductive trick in the book. And what did Joseph do? He did a runner. Do it. There's always an exit door. Do a runner. Text someone, phone someone. I am being tempted. Help. Run away. I've actually done that. I've actually, you know, in times over the last year, when I felt the temptation of, like, quitting or doing running, I've actually, I've actually disappeared. I've, like, got away from situations, got on my motorbike, cleared my head, prayed to the Lord, do a runner. I've been in... I was actually... I'm going to say this. I was in a bar after a, a Christian meeting in London... Whole bunch of us went out to a bar. I'm going to say I was not tempted by this at all, but one of my mates was. We went into a really nice bar, very, very sophisticated, nice wine bar. Felt safe, good. And um, this woman, there are two of them actually, came up to us at the bar. This was only a few months ago. And um, to say, What are you guys doing here? Is it working? And she said, thousand pounds, she had me for the night. Just like that. And one of the guys I was with was a business guy. He's a Christian, he was in this meeting. Potential funder for some work we were doing. And I, and I saw him, look. I saw it in his eyes. I saw it. I wanted to go to bed. I'm getting to that age, actually. I'm like, one glass of wine, I want to go to bed. I mean, this was high-class prostitution in the middle of a very, very nice wine bar in London where you wouldn't expect it as well. And I saw it in his eyes. You know what I said? I actually, I actually told a little porky pie. I said, I think I might have left a credit card in the, in, in the other meeting. I said, I think we need to go, mate. He said, no, no, I'll stay. I mean, no, we need to go. Got to get out. Got to go. Uh, no, I just want to check the other place out and go back. Which I afterwards thought, oh, I think I just sinned by saying I left my credit card behind. I think that's really bad. <laughs> but actually, it sort of broke the moment. And, um, and afterwards, we were walking down the road, and he just said to me, thank you. I, I, I don't think I was going to survive that. This guy's got money. He said, I don't think I was going to survive it. It's that quick. It, we hadn't even had a drink. It's that 
quick and that deadly. Thank you, sir. I saw it in his eyes. Could just throw me marriage away, my kids away. Wow. If you don't deal with it, you don't do a run, it will take you to places you don't want to go and it will lead to death. And let me just say, the reason it leads to death is because there's this thing called the law of diminishing returns in human nature. Now, do a bungee jump off a crane, do it a few times, boring. You want to jump off a bridge, jump off a bridge, boring. You want to go skydiving, go skydiving, boring. I mean, you know, this gets more, you need to do more, 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 more. Open the gateway to sexual temptation, you want more, 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 more. It's the law of diminishing returns. Open the doorway to drink, you want more, 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 more. It stops satisfying. I'll say with heroin addicts, like, just serious, like, issues with heroin, like, bad. And I said, you're still getting a buzz off it as they're injecting themselves. No, just keeps me level. Need more, 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 more. That's, that's, that's the law of diminishing returns, and that's why sin leads to death. The only way out, ultimately, is a cross of Jesus Christ. The only one who will set you free is, is Jesus. It's a cross, the life, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you're sitting in and you don't know him, and you're thinking, oh gosh, I've got this. Jesus will set you free. If you're a Christian and you're suffering with it, because you're taking your eyes off the cross and the power of the resurrection, he will help you, but you need to do the things I've just said. Just make yourself accountable. You need to be honest about it. You need to do a runner. You need to get the disciplines back. It is inevitable is how we deal with it.